morning, church. So this week I was uh, preparing for this, and, and uh, anytime that you, we start preparing, you start thinking, okay, okay, God, what 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 you want to put on my heart? What um, you know? What am I kind of uh, been hearing? And uh, it was kind of a difficult day at the beginning, but then um, whenever that happens, I just kind of go back to my fallback. This is and this is one of my favorite verses in the Bible, uh, only because uh, I grew up in the church and I saw. Um, you know, this is the way things are supposed to be. And, and uh, so my, my favorite verse is Proverbs 4.23, which says, guard your heart above all else, for it determines the course of your life. And, and the reason that it became my favorite is because it really made a difference in, in the way that I saw my relationship with God and, and my, my walking out my life. Um, because, again, growing up in the church, I saw a lot of do this and do that, and, and it was very rule-driven, very uh, check-the-box kind of uh, environment. And, um, and it was, at one point when I read this verse, even though I had read it many times and seen it many times, um, it was one of those moments where it really just became like crystal clear, like this isn't about the rules. This isn't about what you do. What is the condition of your heart? Because throughout my life, you know, I have this question where people ask you, well, is it okay to do this? Do you think God would be mad if I did this? Or, or is it okay for a Christian to do whatever? Um, and, and we get wrapped up in those kind of things when really the answer is, how's your heart? What's the condition of your heart? And I think that this is why, why Solomon kind of wanted to really roll this out and, and, and make this case is guard your heart. You know, some versions say with all diligence. Uh, and this one, it says above all else. Guard your heart above all else, for it determines the course of your life. In one of the versions, it also talks about a spring. Out of it springs all the issues of life. And, you know, when you think about a spring, if the spring, if, if the, the source of the water gets poisoned or gets polluted, it doesn't just pollute that place. It pollutes everything downstream. And that's kind of the, the analogy for guarding your heart because out of that the rest of your life um, is affected by what's in it so why do we guard our heart why is it that we're guarding uh, this this thing well we don't guard things that aren't valuable uh, I was as I was kind of pondering this this week um, you know earlier in the week it was really windy and I was driving home and I'm getting home and I'm and I'm looking down the street and all of the trash cans are knocked over and, and, you know, down the street, just every house has a trash can that's been blown over. And, you know, and I saw ours, and I was like, eh. And, um, you know, went inside and, and then went to work the next day. And I was coming back the next day, and, again, the trash cans are still knocked over. And I'm thinking, doesn't everybody pick up their trash can? And then I pull up to our house, and ours is knocked over, too, because I didn't pick up my trash can. Um, but think about it. Who pays attention to that? The trash can is not something that's important. It's not a priority because it's a garbage can. It's not important. That's not something that, that I'm watching and making sure that it's in its place and, and that it's taken care of. And it's, you know, I've had times when my trash can was broken. And it took me a while to have to call the city and tell them, hey, I need a new trash can because it's broken and it's not working right. Because, again, it's not something important. In this case, guard your heart. Why? Because it's important. It's valuable. There's something precious inside of it. Um, the other reason that we guard our heart is because we need to be, in, be intentional about what's in my heart, what I allow in my heart. The, my heart, because it determines the, the course of my life, it determines the, the issues of my life. Um, if I'm not intentional about it, the Bible also tells us in Jeremiah that the heart is wicked. The heart can be 
really in a bad shape. The Hebrew word for that in, in Jeremiah where he talks about the heart being wicked um, indicates a grave illness. This is a sick heart. This is something that is that's sick, that is diseased. And so without us being intentional, that becomes a condition of my heart. And so why is that important? Again, because the Bible tells us that we are to love the Lord with all our heart. How can I love the Lord with all my heart if my heart is diseased, if it's sick, if it's unable to do that? So I think that as Solomon was instructing his sons, because he's, you know, I, I picture it. He's sitting there telling them, hey, let me, let me tell you something important. Let me give you something that's really valuable that's going to affect your life. And, uh, and he gives them direction. So in verse 23, it says, guard your heart above all else with all diligence. This is, this is important. But then he moves on into verse 24 where he begins to talk to them about how to do this. What are some of the things that I can do? to guard my heart, to make it um, something that it is protected, and, and, and how do I go about this? So in verse 24, he says, avoid, avoid all perverse talk. Stay away from, from corrupt speech. And isn't that something that just kind of blows us away sometimes? Because here's the reality. Every word that I speak out of my mouth is a prophecy. It is a prophecy not just for my life, but for my family, for the people around me. It determines what goes on in my life. It determines what happens. Um, in Matthew 15, uh, verses 18 uh, through 19, uh, Jesus, you know, he's dealing with his critics who are talking about the hygiene habits of his disciples. And he tells them that the words you speak come from the heart. That's what defiles you. For from the heart come evil thoughts, murder, adultery, all sexual immorality, theft, lying, and slander. These are what defile you. You went out to tell them, it's not what you eat, it's not what you do, it's, not, it's what comes out of your mouth. Because that is what's coming out of your heart. And, you know, and I think, how often are we careless with the words that come out of our mouth? How often do we say things without thinking, just out of instinct, without realizing that we are cursing ourselves, that we are cursing people that we're speaking to, or the circumstances around us? And, uh, you know, when you think about it, we, the Bible says that we were created in God's image, right? We were made in his image. Well, God created everything how? By speaking it into being. He spoke it, and it was. He spoke this, and it happened. And, and so we are also created in that image, and we also have that ability to speak things, and they happen. And, and we have to be more intentional about the words that come out of our mouths. In Numbers uh, 14, just for example, uh, you know, God is, is, is dealing with the Israelites as they're coming through the desert and they're, they're struggling and they're murmuring and they're not happy and they're talking about how horrible and you brought us out here to die and all these things. And, 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 and it's, I think it's Numbers 14, 28, and, he, and God tells them essentially what comes out of their mouth is what I'm going to give them. What they say is what's going to happen. That's what I'm going to do to them. And what happened was they actually spoke themselves out of the promise. They had a promise. God had promised them, this is your land. This is where you're going to go. You know, it flows milk and honey and all that stuff. And because of the words that were coming out of the mouth, because, again, the condition of their heart, they spoke themselves out of that promise, and they missed out. That generation never stepped foot into the promise that was already theirs. And it was out of because of the words that they spoke, and they, they, they poured out of their heart on that. Verse 25, he says, uh, look straight ahead and fix your eyes on what lies before you. Now, this is important because, you know, we just talked about guard your heart, what, your mouth 
what comes out of your mouth, the words that you speak, but now your eyes. What are you looking at? What is it that you're focusing on? What is it that you choose to see and direct where you're going? You know, when, if you've ever had the opportunity to go hunting or go shooting, you realize that the, the sight picture becomes very important. Where I look is where I'm going to aim. Probably the easiest thing that most of us have done in our life is when we're driving, have you ever stopped and looked at something and veered your sight, and all of a sudden your car is headed in that direction? What we choose to see, what we allow to come into our eyes determines the destination that we go in, the direction that we head in. In Matthew 6, 22 verse, uh, and verse 23, it says, Your eye is like a lamp that provides a light for your body. When your eye is healthy, your whole body is filled with light. But when your eye is unhealthy, your whole body is filled with darkness. And in the light... You think if, and if the light you think you have is actually darkness, how deep that darkness is. That is where we can be deceived. We can believe that what I am looking, what I'm choosing to focus on and, and see with my eyes is light. It's something valuable. It's something good. It's something that's going to take me where I say that I want to be. But if we are, we are not uh, aware that what we're actually allowing into our eyes is darkness, that's a scary place to be. What we choose to look at, what we choose to focus on, what we choose to see and, 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 and take a look at in our life determines the condition of my heart. It determines what I'm allowing into my heart and ultimately what I believe. Um, you know, it's, it's, I think right now uh, with what's going on in the world, it's really easy to begin to look at what, you know, the news is telling us and what these uh, so-called experts sometimes are telling us and what politicians are telling us and what people around us are telling us. And they're telling us that we should be afraid. They're telling us all this stuff. And we see that. We see the statistics and we see what's happening around us. And then we start to focus on that. And we start to look at it. And we stop to looking at what God has told us. We stop seeing the promise and seeing the things that he has done for us in the past. You know, when you look back at the Israelites, God had done some amazing things for them. He had done some amazing things up to that point. And yet, they chose to look at the circumstances that were happening in front of them right now. We're in the middle of nowhere. This is not working. We're not getting anywhere. And this is where we're at. That's what they chose to allow into their eyes and ultimately determine the condition of their heart and how they, they engage God. What we see is important. What we choose to intentionally put before us and focus on and, and, and look to, that becomes uh, the, the thing that determines where we head and where we um, end up. Proverbs 4.26, it says, Mark out a straight path for your feet. Stay on the safe path. So he's talking about, you know, again, our mouth, and then our eyes, and now our feet, the direction that we head. You know, I, uh, I, I do this every day. I teach this kind of stuff every day, and, and I talk to people, and, and, you know, I can sometimes go to the jail and, and meet with someone, and, and here they're telling me, you know, the last time you were here talking to me, John, I told you that I would never come back here, and here I am again. How did this happen to me? How does this, you know, how, do, how did this take place? Why am I in this jail cell again when I said that I would never come back here again, when I would never come back to this place? Or we can find ourselves in, in you know, conditions of relationships um, or other situations in our life where we sit there and we say, how did this happen to me again? And, and my, my best analogy when I, when I tell people this is, you know, if I want to go somewhere and I get a map, right, and I look at this map and it gives me 
a route. It tells me here's the route that you're going to follow to get to where you're going. And so during my travel on this route, I'm going to come to intersections. And I come to an intersection, and at that intersection, I need to make a decision. What direction do I head? Where do I go from here? Do I turn left or do I turn right? Because one of them is going to take me where I say that I want to go. The other one is not. These kind of decisions, these kind of things happen every day, dozens of times a day. And we make decisions without taking into consideration what does this mean as far as my travel? What does this mean as far as the route regarding the destination that I said that I wanted to go to? And then we end up somewhere else and we ask ourselves, well, how did I get here? I intended to go here, but I ended up here. And that, again, is the, the biggest challenge that we face because we judge ourselves by our intentions, but our life, and, and God judges us by what we actually do. So in Proverbs 26, he says, mark out a straight path for your feet. Stay on the safe path. There is a safe path. There is a path, there is a route that God has laid out for our life. And that's our job, is to stay on that path and to find how I do that. Proverbs 3, 5 through 6 says, Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Do not depend on your own understanding. Seek his will in all you do, and he will show you which path to take. This is his promise to us. When I count on myself, when I count on my understanding of what I think is good and what I prefer and, and, and all those things, I can be led astray. But when he says, you know what, don't lean on your own understanding. Seek his will in all you do, and he will show you which path to take. Psalms 119, 105 says, your word is a lamp to guide my feet and a light to my path. What am I using to guide my path? What am I using to look at the direction that I'm heading and saying, is this the right direction? Again, am I relying on my feelings? Am I relying on what's convenient for me? Am I relying on what I like? Or am I using his word? Am I relying on the word that God is giving me to say, this is where you go. This is what you need to do. This is what will take you to prosperity. And this is going to take you to my promise that I have for you. John 14, 26 says, but when the Father sends the advocate as my representative, that is the Holy Spirit, he will teach you everything and remind you of everything that I have told you. This is not something that we go on alone. This is not something that God just throws us out there and says, figure it out. Figure out a way that you're going to do this, that you're going to effectively resolve these issues in your life and, and get through this maze or, or through this path. He sends us his Holy Spirit. We need the Holy Spirit in our life to be reminding us and bringing these things to remembrance and teaching us and showing us and revealing things to us on a regular basis. We never reach the point where we say, I already got this all. I already know it. I can do this on my own. Again, that goes back to relying on my own understanding because there's plenty of times that I can look at that and say, wow, you know, God is using sometimes. Sometimes even the most unexpected people in my life have given me some of the best directions. I can think of, you know, some of the, the, those moments that, that stand out in my life that are those turning points, those, those, like, those, those grid points in my life that made a difference. And I look back at the individuals that say that to me, and I think, wow, I would never have guessed that God would use that person or that circumstance or that situation to make an impact on my life, to get me to see something and to set my direction in a different trajectory. So we have to be sensitive to the Holy Spirit. And again, that comes back to us being in the Word and knowing what His Word is, what His plan is for us, what He intends for us. And, and when we don't have that, we get lost. We get distracted, uh, like, like the verse says here. 
And then verse four, uh, chapter 4, verse 27, it says, don't get sidetracked. Keep your feet from doing evil. Um, I think that this is one of the, 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 the linchpins of this, of this verse, of this, you know, this chapter. Um, because, again, this is that area that we are kind of, I think of the, the movie Up, the, the, the cartoon movie, uh, you know, with the, the, the balloons and stuff, um, where they have that dog that's, you know, so focused, and all of a sudden it's like, squirrel. And then he's off in a different direction. And, and, and you know, I, I use myself as an example because I get distracted by squirrels so much in my life. I mean, just ask my wife. She'll tell you that. Um, things just pop up. Things come up. And all of a sudden, I lose that focus. I start to not be intentional about what I'm saying, what I'm seeing, where I'm walking. This is how we get um, pushed aside. This is how we end up distracted and heading in a direction that doesn't lead to the promise that God has for us. And, uh, you know, over and over throughout the Bible, God talks about this. Deuteronomy 5, Deuteronomy 14, Joshua 23, he, you know, he basically says, stay straight. Don't go to the right. Don't go to the left. Stay in this direction. Go where I told you. Uh, Deuteronomy 5 says, stay on the path that the Lord your God has commanded you. Then you will live long and prosperous lives in the land you're about to occupy. Uh, he says, you know, don't turn aside uh, from the words which I command you this day. Uh, don't turn to the right or to the left to go after what God uh, has given us and don't serve other gods. In Joshua 23, he says, therefore, be very courageous to keep all the to do all that is written in the book of the law of Moses, lest you turn aside from it to the right and to the left. Now, why is it that God is telling us over and over and over the same thing? Why? Because he knows our condition. He knows how easy it is for us to be distracted, to be moved by circumstances. Again, you know, Jimmy was just talking about giving a little while ago, and, and, and we can look at our, our, our circumstances right now and say, oh, there's no way. There's, I know that my intention is, and I know that I want this because it leads to, you know, the, the prosperity that God has for me, but, but I can't because I'm focusing on this circumstance. This is happening. Uh, you know, my job has done this or, or whatever. We get distracted by those things. We get distracted by the circumstances that are happening. We get distracted by how I feel about what's happening in my life. We get distracted by people, what others say about me, and then we end up in a different place. But, you know, again, over and over, God reminds us, stay on track. Stay on the path that I gave, set for you. Use my word to light that path. Be directed by that. Speak the truth. Speak what I have laid out for you. Speak the word that I have already given you. Um, and, and this is the, the, that, the tools that we have in order to accomplish that and to get to the point that we are able to fulfill that promise that he has for us. Hebrews 12, 1 through 2 says, um, Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a huge crowd of witnesses to the life of faith, let us strip off every weight that slows us down, especially the sin that so easily trips us up. And let us run with endurance the race that God has set before us. We do this by keeping our eyes on Jesus, the champion who initiates and perfects our faith. Because of the joy awaiting him, he endured the cross, disregarding its shame. Now he is seated in the place of honor besides God's throne. You know, again, there is a world out there that is watching us. There's a world that's looking to the testimony that we're going to walk out, to the testimony that we're going to live in our lives. And they're watching. That's the most powerful message that we can preach at any time is not what we tell people, but how we live and how we pursue the plan that God has for us and how we step in it. The world is watching. They're watching because 
they don't have hope. They are confused. They are lied to by everything else. And we are the opportunity for them to see this in action. And like he said here, Jesus knew that. Jesus knew that, and it says that even he, 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 um, he ignored basically all the shame of the cross, all that. He, he could have easily been distracted and said, nope, I'm not going to do that because that's difficult. That's hard. I don't want to go through that. But it says here that he, he disregarded that shame. He disregarded all that stuff that could have distracted him from fulfilling the purpose that he had because he knew that I need to do this. If I don't do this, all of this stuff goes away. Everything that, that's been promised, everything that God has intended will not happen. And that has the same impact on us. When we don't do, when we step out of that path, when we look, and this is, you know, go right or left, that we start being, you know, distracted by the squirrels in life, we end up missing out on the purpose and the plan that God has for us. And then we end up in a place where we say, well, how did I get here? How did this happen? This isn't what I intended. This is not what I wanted. I wanted this. And, and I know that God, you know, I, I think so many times of the promises that God has made me in my life and, and how I can easily, by my actions, by my words and what I choose to look at, like disregard that. And, and lose that on that promise. And, and I, don't want, I don't want to lose that on those promises. And I don't want any of you to lose that on that promise. But it takes us coming back and being intentional again about the words that we speak. What am I saying? And, and everything that I say has to come out of, comes out of my heart. And so what am I allowing in my heart? Well, I'm, I need to allow the word of God in my heart. So that that's what pours out of me when I speak, when I respond. What am I looking to? What am I looking at? I need to look to the promise that God has laid out, the path that he sets for me. And when I come to those intersections in life, I need to make those decisions based on what takes me to where God wants me to go, the direction that he gives me. And then my path, again, what, what is the path that I'm going to go? What is it that I'm going to follow? Well, it's set by the purpose that God has given me, counting on the Holy Spirit, counting on his word, and relying on that in my life to set that direction so that when I am making decisions, when I am living my life, I'm living that in accordance to what God has said and what God has spoken already. That is the, the, the whole point of guarding my heart because when I, I disregard my heart, when I don't pay attention to it and I'm not intentional about what is going into my heart, then again, I go back to what Jeremiah says. There's that sick heart. There's that, that wickedness, that, that, you know, all this bad stuff that happens in the world. People always ask, well, how, does, how do bad things happen? Why, why, if there's a God, why is this happening? Well, because we live in a world where a man's heart is sick and it's diseased and it needs to be regenerated. It needs to be brought into um, compliance to what God has for us. You know, in, in Ezekiel, he promises us a new heart. He says, when he comes into when Christ comes into our life, he says, I will give you a new heart. I will take that heart of stone and I will put this new heart in you. And, and he does that. He promises that and he does it, but then it becomes our job to guard that and to ensure that that heart stays healthy and it stays in a condition that he can use and he can move in us and that he can guide us in. And so today you may be in a situation where you don't know Christ as your Savior. You don't have that, that certainty that you know that you know that he is your Savior and that if you were to die today, this is where I would go. And so I, I invite you, if you have not ever prayed that prayer, um, to pray that prayer right now with me. So let's bow our heads and, and, and pray this prayer. Repeat after me, Father, you said in your word that if I confess with my mouth that Jesus is Lord, 
and believe in my heart that you have raised him from the dead, I would be saved. So today, Father, I confess that Jesus is my Lord. I make him my Lord of my life right now. I believe in my heart that you raised Jesus from the dead. And I thank you for forgiving my sin. And I declare that I am a new creation. Old things have passed away. Now all things become new in Jesus' name. If you prayed that, we believe that that Christ has come into your heart. And he is regenerating that heart. That you no longer have that, that, that diseased, wicked heart. And now it becomes your duty, your role to walk that out and to guard that heart again with all diligence above all else in your life because it will determine the destination that you had and the destination that you end up in. So I encourage you to spend time in the Word and to connect with us to uh, to grow in, as in that, in that life and, and, and walk that walk out um, as you continue to, um, to grow in that.